Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. This is Bart Carroll making the introductions, along with your hosts, Shelley Mazzanoble, Trevor Kidd, and Greg Tito. In today's episode, in addition to being a writer and designer, Gary Asselford is also a Girl Scout troop leader in Southern California. He's currently in the process of organizing a badge workshop for tabletop RPGs, where scouts learn the basics of D&D 5th edition, create a character, and of course, participate in an adventure. And then, on the digital side, we speak with Tim Schwalk, Design Director at Endspace, about the continued development of Sword Coast Legends. Gary, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) We're very excited to talk to you. This is actually, um, you and I have gone back and forth on email a few times about this, and we thought, this is a really cool idea that you're doing, and we want to help spread the word. Um, that's sorry. That's great. <laughs> no, I'm 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 glad to be here. Great. So I'm. We can make a wild assumption here that if you're teaching D and D to Girl Scouts, you have a history with D and D. You didn't just pick it up yourself, probably. Oh yeah. So how how were you no, first no, introduced? No, uh, it's kind of embarrassing, but back in, in grade school, we used to have the book fairs, and they used to sell the Endless Quest books Oh yeah. in the book fairs, and I picked up a couple of those, and I was so interested in the, you know, the monsters, I went out and I saw the monster manual at a bookstore, and I bought it, and from there, I didn't actually play for the first time for reals until I was in seventh grade, so it's been about 30 years wow. or more. Good. Yeah. So when you picked up the monster manual, did you buy the monster manual or did you did your parents buy it for you? Or, I, I'm always just curious how like somebody, a, you know, a 12 year old goes up to their parents and says, I want this book. This one filled with monsters and horrible things? <laughs> yeah. Give me that one. I, I think I probably begged some money out of my mother. Moms are good for that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> and, but look, I'm proud of money well spent. And now look. Now, because of you... And I still have it, too. Oh, nice. Do you really? That's impressive. I think a lot of us have switched over. Yeah. That's super cool. So now, because of you, all of these girls are going to be begging money out of their parents to buy their first Monster Manual. All is planned. (laughs) I certainly hope so. (laughs) (laughs) So, as a Girl Scout troop leader, let's talk about what you've done here. This You have organized a badge workshop for tabletop RPGs. And now for those who may be unfamiliar with what exactly that means, can you provide us with a little bit of background on what a badge workshop is and who participates in this? Sure. Uh, A badge workshop is an event. They usually run them as fundraisers, either for a troop or for a specific uh, charity. And they teach girls the skills they need to earn a badge. So Participation is usually dictated by the level of the badge, and by level I mean within the Girl Scouts, you've got daisies who are the kindergarten and first graders, you've got brownies who are second to third grade, juniors who are fourth and fifth, cadets who are sixth to eighth, seniors who are ninth to tenth, and ambassadors who are eleventh to twelfth. And different levels have different badges for different things, obviously. So cadets working towards a badge, say for... uh, like cooking, would be earning a different badge than brownies who are working on a similar badge because of the, the level involved. Okay. So they're usually dictated by the, the scout's level. Okay, so and you decided 
just I'm going to organize a badge workshop because I think it's important for these girls to learn how to play TR or TRPGs. Where'd this idea come from? The idea came from uh, a mini documentary that Meredith Jacobson put out last year called D&D and G. I don't know if you've seen it, but in the f film, they get a group of girls who have never played D&D before, and they introduce them to a group of similarly aged boys who have been playing for some time, and they record their antics, and then they ask them what they thought of the game and if they had fun. And after watching that, I said, that's really neat to, to try to you know, go against gender stereotypes and get these girls involved, and they obviously had a good time. And being a Girl Scout troop leader, I see a lot of um, a lot of girls of that age and and older, and I think that role playing has been so important to me in my life. You know, the gaming that why not you know pay it forward? Why not show people who would normally maybe never get involved how to play and uh, show them another way to have fun? What do you think they've uh, kind of learned from from being able to experience role playing? You know, the, do they get the same things out of it that you got out of it when you were a kid, or or is is it different now in a controlled, you know, somewhat controlled environment here in the Girl Scouts? Like, have have you had any testimony from them on, on what they they thought of it? I've heard from a lot of the troop leaders that they their girls really enjoyed themselves, and it was such a small slice of the day. You know, it was only like three hours where they they learned about gaming and what gaming was. They learned about dice and they learned specific uh, aspects of the system. So you know, Dungeons and Dragons class race abilities, that sort of thing. And then they got to put that into practice. They got to create a character, and then they got to participate in an adventure. And uh, that was the real fun part. You know, I didn't want them sitting around messing with numbers all day. I wanted them to actually get in there and mm -hmm. get their hands dirty. And they did. They didn't they didn't hesitate at all. What um, what adventure did you run for them? Uh, I wrote an adventure for them oh, cool. called Two Choices. And I wanted to make sure that they had some volition, so I gave them a choice of two different adventures that they could go investigate. And Generally, the, the, the girls chose one over the other, though one or two groups did choose the second adventure. And both adventures are interlinked, so there's, there's a behind the scenes, there's a, a connection between the two mm -hmm. that they might run into had we had enough time to do both. That's cool. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. You can even tell people, like, so if you do this again, there'll be some cool stuff you know and all that kind of stuff, so... Did you focus more yeah. on like, on the role playing and the choices that were being made, or did you find that the uh, you know the girls or some of them really loved to you know figure out how to whack people with a sword? <laughs> we went in stages, so they started out with a, a largely role playing centric. You know, they were briefed on their their missions, and they really liked getting horses. When I said you guys get some horses <laughs> from the stables, they were oh, they were really cool. excited about that, and. That's something so my, da my daughter would totally latch on to that, too. Yeah. yeah, she'd be like, what, horses? And a puppy. That's great. <laughs> Let's do this. And they wanted to, you know, paint their, or rather draw their horses and draw their characters. They were very into drawing their characters. Cool. Uh, one of them asked for a unicorn, and I said, well, I'm sorry. There's no unicorns in the stable today. Aw. <laughs> so maybe, to maybe next time. <laughs> you might be able to find, a, 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 you know, a whole... A slew of unicorns if you get to six level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So I want to go. I want to go back to this workshop because totally foreign to me. Sounds awesome. 
Um, what topic did you cover in the workshop? I mean, can you, can you walk us through that day when you were like basically being like, here's the different ways you can create badges for D&D? Sure, sure. Uh, the original badge was created with five different steps, and that included creating your own adventure and then DMing the adventure. Ooh, nice. But it's, that was sort of too much, you know. We didn't want the girls to get lost in the whole DMing thing. Plus, it's kind of hard to break them off into groups and have them DM for each other. So I wanted to start small. So I went with the first three criteria, which were, first of all, you learn about role-playing games, Mm -hmm. you know, what they're about, what you do, uh, you know, the benefits. The second part is you create a character. And there's some flexibility in the actual badge requirements that if you don't have access to a game system, you can still create a character. You figure out what that character looks like. You figure out what that character is is like personally. And you create a character that you want to play. And then the third step would be to play that character in a game. And this can be a game with rules like Dungeons and Dragons, or it could be uh, just a make-believe game you're playing with the rest of your friends or your troop. Not necessarily, you know, live action, but a narrative exercise. Yeah, a little storytelling game. Yeah, basically. And... That was the whole, in, in, a, in you know, summed up, that's the whole of the, the workshop. And the big meaty part of it was actually playing the adventure, playing their characters, exploring, you know, what we take for granted as, as players. Yeah, we just do it all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, I'm interested, like, in what Greg was talking about. Like, what aspects were they most drawn to? Like, did they just want to talk to each other? Did they want to talk to the... The locals? Did they just want to pet their horses? Were they? <laughs> did any of them like just like get crazy with a sword and just start whatever? I, I don't know, like, everything. Well, I guess. And how how <laughs> old are the girls in this in the workshop? What's the age range? The age range we had was uh, between juniors, which are uh, sorry. Fourth to fifth grade up until probably ninth and tenth grade. So okay, all right. There were there were different troops. Um, it wasn't so much divided up by age level, though. I I wasn't real comfortable bringing anybody younger than a junior in because the attention spans. I mean, I, I have a troop of brownies, and and their attention spans are kind of fleeting. Yeah. <laughs> no. I was a brownie for about. Three days. <laughs> There's that fleeting so attention. Yeah, yeah. right there. <laughs> you just proved the rule right there. I really but wanted the, the uniform. Um, and I, to be fair, I was a Boy Scout for about that long, too. Really? Or a Cub Scout for about that long. Yeah, yeah. same. Same. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Gary. If this was part of my, my troop. I know, right? If, work, if they had RPG stuff in, yeah. the, in the troop, I would have totally done it. Yeah, they, we didn't do anything fun like this. We just learned other skills. God. Yeah, it was just like, oh, like be nice to people. <laughs> Make a fire. Hey, <laughs> life that's important. Those are all skills. important skills. Yes. I don't want definitely. real life survival skills. I want fantasy survival. Well, skills. to be fair, <laughs> learning this stuff about RPGs and D and D teaches you all sorts of real life. Well, skills. Well, that is actually true. That is true. I mean, yeah. So yeah. back back to that same question again. Was there something that like like stuck out? You're looking at these kids. You were like, "Wow, that's really cool that this is how they experienced it, or, or that like or that they they, they, res- they responded in, in this way." <laughs> what I really liked about it was that they, when they got into playing, and I didn't have to so much coax them into coming out of their shells to interact with an NPC. Um, and once they started rolling the dice and seeing how things worked, you could see the little gears moving and and them thinking about things that they could do that 
that might not necessarily come to mind initially. Um, so, for instance, fighting some wolves, one of the, the players wanted to use her animal handling to calm one of them down. Aww. And, you know, I said, that's great. Go ahead and make an animal handling check. And she did, and it worked out for her. Um, I mean, she got a beast companion. And just, <laughs> right? In time. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was, it was, that was cool. And the other part that was kind of funny was that they really liked fighting. Oh, okay. Um, they, they started out kind of shy or scared of it. They didn't want to rush in, but once they got started, you couldn't hold them back and they were, they were backing each other up and, and using teamwork. And that was really fun to watch. That's cool. Yeah. Those are awesome values that I think, we, you know, as longtime players, we don't realize that people who are new to this, it's a new thing because, you know, most games that you play as a young child are competitive. Right. You know, you're all about trying to beat everybody. You're not trying to work together. And the inherent mission of, of, of RPGs and D&D is, is to work together to, to, you know, pursue your own goals. So that's, that's awesome. I think that's, that's, that's a great thing to reinforce in kids. I liked it. So is the is the workshop something that these girls opt into, or is it like this is what you're doing on this day? It's something that you really have to schedule out. I started with my service unit, which is uh, we're with San Diego Girl Scouts, but it's broken up into different service units based on region. So my Girl Scout service unit is the Vista service unit. And when I had the idea to do this sort of thing, I just wanted to do it on a like a troop-by-troop troop basis. I didn't think about doing it in a big you know, multi-DM setting. And they were really excited about it and asked me to create a badge. So I sat down and I created the badge and I did a test run with um, one of the service unit leaders troops and her girls all had a good time, but it gave me an idea of, you know, how long is this going to take? What kind of information do they, do they need right off the bat? And how can I simplify it to make it more of a, you know, run and gun sort of thing? without boring them with tiny details. And once we got that worked out, I had to fill out a bunch of paperwork for the event because we were charging money for this and as, as part of a charity. And the girls' troops would sign up individually once we had the flyer posted. I had to arrange for a venue. We got a nice gymnasium at a church that nice. we could play in. And... In the end, we had, between the two groups, we had to divide it up into two different groups, like a 1 o'clock group and a 4 o'clock group. We had about 36 girls total show up and play. That's awesome. So how did you find Dungeon Masters for all of these, those, these groups? Well, I got, I got lots of friends who came. I mean, I'm a gamer. <laughs> so <laughs> one of my friends, uh, I've known him for years and years and years, back from when I was a teenager, and he's... He loves the DM, and he could. He was over, you know, falling over himself to get to to do this. And then the other guy that came is a school teacher who runs a gaming club at a high school locally. Nice. So it it worked out really well. I had two other guys on tap in case we had more girls show up. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much it for the DMs. That's awesome. Um, so, I mean, we get this question a lot, and it's something that you obviously have some experience with now. But it's it's how do I get my kids into playing games, and how you know specifically, you know, at, which works for boys too, but specifically girls. Like, how do we get them excited about it? Was there anything that you 
you know, you obviously designed this program and, and, and people seem to enjoy it. Was there anything that you learned uh, that you would impart to, to parents of the, of this day to try to get them into playing role playing games? It tends to help to be simple and especially at the beginning, because these are a lot of new concepts that they need to grasp onto and giving them too many choices can slow things down. So you want to make sure that like for, for instance, I gave them choices of the four core classes, you know, fighter, rogue, cleric, and wizard. I didn't go into barbarians or monks or bards or any of that because that's just more mechanics to introduce them to. But you give them the four basic classes and then the four basic races, which are human, dwarf, elf, and halfling. And um, it gives them a nice paradigm to, to choose from. And there was lots of variety at the table. Although elves were very popular. I was just going to ask, what was the most popular? Elves were popular. Elves and, are awesome. Uh, ro- rogues and rogues. Um, wizards. And I, I kind of blame the wizard thing probably on Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep, that's how I got one of my friends to play. Everybody wants to do magic. It's like, so you can stack sick things with a weapon or you can do magic. Yeah. I don't know. Magic's pretty cool. <laughs> so but, were these... Oh, sorry, Gary, go on. But, you know, getting new players into the game, Mm -hmm. I've been doing that off and on for years and years because I'm a big proponent for gaming. I love gaming. I've loved gaming all my life. Well, it feels like it anyway. Um, Back when I was in manufacturing, I actually got a group together at the place where I worked. I was a buyer, a materials buyer. And I got one of – I got my lead and I got a girl from marketing and one of the guys from analytics – and we, we all stayed after work one day and, and played D&D. And we went through about three or four games before that one petered out. But hmm. So were there any, uh, when you were running this event, did, did any of the girls just not get it? Did they just were like, oh, this isn't my thing? None of them had any problems at my tables. Um, and I didn't hear anything from the other DMs about whether or not they had any troubles. It seemed like everybody knew what the score was and they knew how to, how to let them. I mean, they're kids. They imagination is second nature yeah the role-playing too is just kind of that's what that's what we do when we're kids mm-hmm. yeah yep since i am also like so paranoid of getting picked on i was picked on a lot of the kid if you are a girl out there and you are listening to this and you don't like D or role-playing games that is okay <laughs> all right moving on <clears throat> sorry it's know. also okay if you do like them it's even more okay <laughs> if you like them but <laughs> you should try <laughs> One other thing that you can do if you want to attract new players is show them the books. I mean, you guys have the fifth edition. The books are so beautiful and eye-catching that just opening one of those books up to a random page and showing it to somebody automatically sparks an interest. Um, I also got them each a set of their own dice. So, you know, they show up, they've got a set of dice that they can take home, and that breaks down. It's a small barrier, but it's still a barrier to entry. Yeah. And now they've got a set of dice that they can use in any game they want. Yeah. That is definitely the hard thing to find if you're not used to where to go to get them, like all the different kinds of dice. So that's smart. That's a good idea. Yeah, so what are they encouraged to do once this workshop is over? They've earned their badge. Then what? Well. (laughs) (laughs) We hope that they're going to continue playing, but... Do, you, do they have any resources or how? What, what do you encourage them to do? Well, I did provide them with access to the, uh, the basic rules you guys have posted on your website, which are a wonderful place to start. But I also had, uh, you guys were nice enough, Wizards was nice enough to send me some prize materials for the raffle at the end of the, product, the, the workshop. And so 
several girls went home with either beginner box sets or core sets of books. Nice. And I figure, you know, one girl in one troop gets a, a set of these books, they go home, and that's their, their entire troop can play. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Good one. Same thing with beginner boxes. Uh, but I, I encourage the girls to go home and introduce other people to it. If, they're, if, they, like, if they had fun, show your friends how to play. You know, play with the rest of your troop mates, and uh, you can create a club at school, or you can create a club at a local library, or you can even try to be a, a dungeon master. Yeah, so those are that's, that's the next level. Is is yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you cut out the point of them being, uh, you know, training them on dungeon masters, but you know, that's, that's the next the next badge to, yeah, to earn. The second oh, yeah. badge, you, you have your role playing game badge, and then you have your DM badge. So. Yeah, which is a whole other yeah, thing. That's that's something I'm thinking very you know deeply about Mm -hmm. i don't know how i did work it into a a workshop format yet but any suggestions would be appreciated we have we can there's a lot of people that actually do workshops like this in the community so i bet i bet a lot of people would be happy to help we could help with we could facilitate something as i look at shelly Yes. Yes. We yes. can make it happen. <laughs> Shelly can, can, can make something with happen. That, Gary. We'll talk. We'll yes. talk. So now that this badge <laughs> is created for uh, uh, you know the San Diego troop, does that now go to all of Girl Scouts? Like, can can any Girl Scout, any troop participate in this workshop? Well, the thing about badges in the Girl Scouts is there's this, a core set of official badges, and all different councils across the United States come up with their own badges. So it's it's largely a local thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely certain what I would need to do or how popular this would need to get in order to make an official Girl Scout branded badge that would be included in curriculum across the, the nation. Uh, I think that that's probably a very long-term goal. Well, we'll support uh, you on I'm, that. Yeah. yeah, we'll do whatever it takes. <laughs> All you Girl Scout troop leaders out there listening, yeah. make this happen. Right. You have future Girl Scouts, Greg. That's right. right I do. Right. right. They're I've, of the right age. I have two daughters. They're four and two right now, so a bit early uh, as far as role-playing we'll goes. Start saving but your money for the uniforms because I'm, I will. my I'm, poor mother spent all that money on my brownie uniform, and I was like, <laughs> I don't like this anymore. I'm busy making them right now. I spend every night. We're uh, sewing together and learning for their sewing ma- ma- uh, you know, marriage. That's together. a handy one. Yeah. That's a handy one. I should have stuck with it. But speaking <laughs> of, of badges and sewing, and Gary, you, you actually designed the badge. Like when you say I designed the badge, you mean like like the, the art. You art directed, you created, you made the badge, right? Well, I, ha- I had some help from my wife who's a little more graphically inclined than I am. But she dug up a, uh, like a public domain picture of a dragon that I really liked. And we sort of mushed it together into a PDF document, which I sent to a badge manufacturer and they had some suggestions of their own. And it was, it was a big, it was a collaborative process, but Mm. in the end it really turned out, I think it really turned out well. Yeah. Yeah. If it's okay with you, I'd love to show a picture of it on our website. Oh, sure. Okay, good. And maybe some of the pictures of, of the, the girls during the event, because it looked like just from the ones that you sent to us, it looked like they were having a really good time. And it's just really, it's good to see just a yeah. room full of girls playing D&D. Yeah, it is cool. So, Gary... But um, I do intend to do this again, probably on an annual basis. And all right. I am offering it to individual troops as a, if they want me to schedule a, ga- like a, a game day for them, just them. I'll do it. That's awesome. What if, um, 
like other troops or other troop leaders want to contact you about this? Is there some way they can reach out to you to, to set something up? Yeah, definitely. I put up a website after the workshop. It's www.dungeonscouts.com. Nice. And I, I've posted every single piece of, um, I guess, source material that I created for this workshop. So the adventure is up there. The character sheets I used are up there. The badge requirements are there. And everything I wrote up about the, the setting, Illustra, is up as well. So all somebody needs to do is go to that website and download that stuff. And they should be prepared as long as they know, you know how to play D&D. And this sounds like good material for anyone who really wants to teach kids how to play D&D. Because you've, you've made it oh, uh, pretty easy with the character sheets and the adventure and everything. It's definitely something I... It, sh- it can go past Girl Scouts. The setting itself is sort of tailored to Girl Scouts and that I took bits of the Girl Scout mythology and worked it into the setting so that it wouldn't necessarily be foreign to the girls. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good tip right hmm. there. Well, now I want to ask, what is the Girl Scout mythology? Is there this whole secret <laughs> mythology I didn't know anything about? Well, no, it's not so much mythology, but the Girl Scouts were founded by Juliette Lowe. And uh, so in Illustra, there's a single queen, uh, Queen Sunblade, who formed a group called the Queen's Knights. And the Queen's Knights swear the Queen's Law when they're inducted into the Order. And the Queen's Law, I'm sorry, the Queen's Law is basically the Girl Scout Law mm. with a couple of small changes. So when they, you know, they. They got their characters done, and we sat down, and I explained the setting to them. I said, whenever you guys – when you guys came into the Queen's Knights, you had to swear this vow. I said, you know, raise your hand and repeat after me, and I started in. And once they heard it, you know, they knew it because this is something that they learn as a Girl Scout and that they're always reciting. But there were a couple of small changes that had to do with the setting towards the end. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you're, you're – you're, you're there for your sister knights as opposed to your, you know, sister Girl Scouts. That's but a really it was clever, largely cosmetic. That's a really clever way to to integrate, you know, because you're already kind of you're right involved in some kind of an organized, you know, uh, scouting organization. So why not make that part of the role playing experience? That was that was really smart. And the other thing I did with it was every girl had to choose a line from the law that they wanted to try to espouse with their character that game. So Ooh. whether it was making the world a better place or being courageous and strong, you know, they, they would write that down. And then at the end of the game, I would ask them, so what was your line and how did you reflect that in the game? That's cool. That's, oh, got, that's, that's similar very good idea. to the D&D uh, fifth edition, um, you know, uh, flaws and, mm-hmm. and roles and bonds yeah. system that, that we have for character generations. Awesome. Like basically that was their, uh, you know, their, part of their character background. Yeah. Yep. Very cool. cool. Well, Gary, we want to thank you so much for talking to us about this. And I think what you're doing is a great service. And you should get a badge for this. <laughs> so, which we're designing right now. We've been making it. Let's go talk well, to Emmy been, right after this. Right now. Like, so, Emmy, <laughs> we've got some clay and some things. We're making a badge. Yeah. And we're just going to send it to you. Clay. Yeah, clay. it was the first thing I could come up with. Maybe he some play doh. Yeah, okay. whatever we can Fair. find yeah. around Fair. the house. Yeah, I got Play-Doh some beads. Some beads I can stick on there. And, yeah, <laughs> some braided hair. But but the sentiments there, Gary, we really do appreciate it. I think <laughs> that this is really really cool. And um, like you had mentioned, if if other people are interested in in doing this with uh, the Girl Scouts, they can find you at 
dungeonscouts.com or find more information about it. Correct. Awesome. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure we'll be in touch more. Yeah, we would definitely touch base about the story again, especially as, yes. it, as it grows and yeah, yeah, changes. every year it gets bigger and bigger. It's gonna grow from San. You're like patient zero. It's yeah. San Diego <laughs> is gonna spread out over to the world. Well, in a few years, Greg will be taking his daughters to get their that's right their RPG badge, their merit badge that you have designed. I'll use your your design. Yep, that's so cool. That's mm. so cool, Gary. All right, Man, well, keep us posted. We could, we could meet up at a at a con. That would be that's great. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you very much again, Gary. Thanks, guys. It's good to be here. All right, Tim, thanks for joining us. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about who you are, since people out there may not know how awesome Tim is? Um, you know, just your experience in the industry, how you got to where you are, and uh, what you're doing at InSpace now. Yeah, certainly. First of all, just, you know, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be talking to you guys. Uh, my name is Tim Schwalk, and I guess you could say I'm an old-timer. I've been here at InSpace since 2002. I actually started as a programmer back in the day. I, uh, let's see, Mary-Kate and Ashley's Sweet 16 was my very first game. I was responsible <laughs> for programming a bunch of the mini-games on there. You probably remember them, Trevor. Like, I believe you had the oh, ATV so game. Bad, yeah. No, he was yeah. just talking about it the other day. I may, yeah. I, I may have actually done some testing for a while on games, just so you know. I don't I talk about it very much. <laughs> that were Mary-Kate and Ashley games? Maybe. <laughs> Uh, from there, I went on to Geist. Uh, I was responsible for some of the you know, weapons and some of the bot AI. But at that point, I sort of started transitioning more into design. It was a need that we identified that we didn't really have anyone for. So I did a lot of scripting and design from there. And then I just started transitioning from other games uh, more fully into design and then even into management after that. I've been everything from a lead, lead designer to senior producer here. I've even had project manager responsibilities in some of the Skylander games, doing schedules and budgets and all the boring stuff. <laughs> uh, and I've worked with a bunch of huge license, licenses, Marvel, Tron, Skylanders, Dungeons & Dragons. What? See, unprompted, everybody. Unprompted. Seriously. We even did an original IP with Square Enix. We did a Heroes of Ruin. was a, an original RPG for the 3DS. And I'm currently the design director here on Sword Coast Legends, working with a super talented group of designers, and I couldn't be happier. So what does that mean? You're the design director. So besides the fact that I know you work all the time, what (laughs) do you do on Sword Coast Legends? So we've got a pretty big design team. There's nine other designers and myself. So I sort of wrangle those guys, make sure we keep a cohesive vision, uh, make sure we do translate Dan Tudge's vision, the game director, uh, with everything that we're doing. You know, he can't be involved in everything. And to that extent, I can't be involved in everything. But I, I do my best to keep those guys all on the same page and to make sure that we're communicating with all the other departments to just to help make sure the game is going along a, a constant path, you know? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, for sure. My days vary greatly. One day I'm playing the game all day. The next day I'm, I'm assigning bugs and giving feedback. It's just that's one of the things I love about my job is that every day is a little bit different. There's no script for it. So before I jump to some other questions, do you have any tips for how someone could get a job like yours, where they start, what they do? The only tip I can give them is maybe be careful what you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it, it just, you know, if, the, if your interest is there, just I didn't know I wanted to do this. I wanted to be a programmer forever. But uh, I found that's not as exciting as it sounds. Don't tell the programmers I said that. If you love games and you you love working with people, I'd say pursue computers, mathematics. I know that sounds nuts, but it's true, kids. You can make a career out of games now. This is very true. 
Yeah. yeah it's just lots of now. It just, it just happened. Yeah. Just now. It was like last right, week. Right now. It was like last week. Now, talking to you guys, I have finally arrived. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now everybody's going to know who you are. They're going to find your Twitter account, and it's all it's all over now, buddy. We make stars uh, here on the D&D podcast. <laughs> I love it. That's what we Sitting do. There. Also, everybody, that's Ash in the background. He's the uh, community manager uh, for Circle Legends as well. Say hi ev- to everybody, Ash. Hey, everybody. How you guys doing? <laughs> Hi Ash. Hi, Hi Ash. Ash. I'm just I'm just here to make animal sounds and to make sure Tim doesn't say anything too crazy. All right, Tim. Nope. So uh, oh, while I've got you, what are all the dirty, dirty secrets Ash. in the office? He's already said like four crazy things. <laughs> I know it's great. It's good time. Yeah, good work, Ash. <laughs> <laughs> the programmers are coming after this poor guy. I know they got like pitchforks and torches. He's a monster. <laughs> We're gonna make sure to not cut that out, just so you know. That that that, that comments. <laughs> yeah, that is, it's gonna it's be, totally the, be the headline of the article promoting <laughs> this podcast. Um, so back back to you know being in the office though. So uh, last time I was there, uh, well the only time I've actually been down in the office. I don't want to make this sound bigger. You're than there all the time. <laughs> when we came down to the office re- recently, uh, I heard a couple of different people talking about the D and D games in the office. Are you involved in any of those, Tim? Yes, actually. So we've got a, a weekly Wednesday night game we've been doing. As you can imagine, as we get busier, it seems to happen a little bit less frequently. But I was very involved in that for the longest time. I took a brief hiatus because there was a conflict with my daughter's dance class because Aww. I'm a dad first. Nice. Aww. I had a, an amazing time. I've continued to have an amazing time with the game here. I play as Drox. He's a half-orc fighter. And you know what? Now that I've got you guys here, maybe you can make a ruling for me. There's a, a specific point of contention between myself and our dungeon master. But I'm a 55-year-old half-orc fighter, and he tells me I can't be a 55-year-old half-orc without sacrificing some of my, my attributes, some of my stats. <laughs> to which I say, hogwash, this is a role-playing game. Let me play my role. It's fantasy. Wait, but, but wait, wait. It's who's who's your DM? Ross. See, I'm not... I don't want to piss off Ross. Because <laughs> oh, he's, he's, he's making the game as well. So I will just say that the DM is generally right. But if you're going to add the, the age things, what should probably happen if he's going to do that is that your physical stats take some kind of hit, but your mental stats will, will probably take a bonus, right? So in, in the things where they have that, you'll be like your, your strength or your dex or your con might go down, but your wisdom might go up, right? Or your, your int might go up. Right, so you could be so, a wilier so, fighter. You could be yeah. a, a more crafty <laughs> fighter now that you're so older. His, his orc will have an intelligence of, of seven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm he's, he's gotten a little bit smarter. He's learned, he's learned a few things. You know, he knows that fire burns now. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My argument is that, sure, they, the player's handbook says orcs live to, what, 75 years old. But that's not because they're all dying of natural causes. People hate orcs. They're seeking them out and killing them. They're in battles. They're dying because they might live forever, you know, if people weren't murdering them. This is true. They could be just an immortal race that really likes to fight. See, it's kind of their fault. I'm just going to... They do See, love to fight. Us, you sided with me, and it's... <laughs> well, they, until he listens to the podcast, you can tell him whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> right. The way that works. So you're so you're, you're a half orc, you're a fighter. Do you have any awesome stories from that game? Oh man, I do have an awesome story. So this is again, okay. So I missed one week. I forget why, but when I came back, I'm the fighter, so I'm the primary damage dealer, and we've been trying to find a, a magical weapon for me. So I come back, and they're like, "Hey, guess what, Tim? We found a magical weapon. This is fantastic," and we were all really excited. So. I get in there for the first night, and I'm rolling, I'm, I'm playing, and Ross is up there making this big deal of my magical weapon. He's, he, you know, he, he makes everything a bit theatrical. So he's up there waving his arms around, and Tim strikes with his magical broadsword, and lightning's coming from the sky, and it's lit on 
fire and all this crazy stuff. But he then says, but it doesn't do much damage. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not thinking much of it until I think the second session, finally they start feeling a little bad for me and he makes a crack that causes me to realize what's going on. I look over at Charles who's playing an enchanter wizard and the big thing he does is he does, no, he was an illusionist, sorry. He, he does minor illusions on everything. And it turns out they put a minor illusion on my sword to make me think it was magical two <gasps> sessions before. Oh. Yes. So I went from the happiest fighter to very sad. I love but they got, they got a huge kick out I of it. I love how my two compatriots are all, oh, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> 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 We get a big laugh out of it now, but, oh, it was, yeah. You were heartbroken. Hey, it, it hits. It hurts. Does he have a magic weapon now? <laughs> uh, he does have a magical weapon now. And it doesn't do anything. It just kind of glows or something, right? Boring. He doesn't do all the cool theatrics now. Yeah. I thought that might Well, you, you know, could so. ask the wizard to put that effect on it again. Right, you can still <laughs> have the minor illusion <laughs> on there. Great point. I didn't even consider that. Yeah. Sure. I would do that for totally, my party. Totally Your poor cool. five intelligence orc totally was gullible enough <laughs> to go along with it, right? <laughs> Apparently, my five intelligence Anyone. human. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone would have fallen for it. It's true. It's true. Uh, what's, sure. the name, what's the name of that character? Too trusting. I call uh, his name's Drox. I keep changing his last name, but I, I finally settled on Ledbetter. Ooh, oh, I like it. Like he's a guitarist. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> isn't that? A... <laughs> <laughs> I felt a little silly once Guardians came out and there was a Drax. People think I copied that, but, but I had my character first. Well, before <laughs> the movie, I, I understand as a comic there, I wasn't familiar with. <laughs> like, I guess there's these things called comics, and that's cool and all. <laughs> Spent all my time yeah. making video games. So, eight. Tim, how old is your daughter? My daughter is four and a half. Okay. Oh, yeah. I have a four-year-old daughter, too. Oh, it's a fun age. Yeah. No, they're, they're super, super uh, uh, malleable. That's the best part. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy it. Are, you getting, you, are you getting her to play video games and, and D&D? Uh, she has not played D&D yet. She basically tells me what she wants to do. She's very extremely strong-willed. She's adorable, but she does play little princess games, uh, at least mobile. And I got her to play the Lego game with me on the Xbox One. Nice. That's cool. We just had uh, Gary on from uh, Girl Scouts, and he yeah. designed a badge and, a, and a, a whole bunch of stuff, a workshop to show show off RPGs and D&Ds to, to these girls, and it was pretty awesome, pretty yeah. awesome story. Yeah, dude. So when she's old enough. we got to get our daughters in on that. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's very cool. Yep. But okay, back to the game. I'm going to start grilling you about Star Coast Legends and get all the dirty secrets. No, it's not. And Ash will say, no comment. Exactly. We, <laughs> we're we're going to have a very short podcast. <laughs> you don't have to answer that. If we do it that way. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll go with one of the softball questions first. Well, I think it's a softball. It's probably pretty difficult. Uh, uh, how is working on Sword Coast Legends different than what you've worked on before? Especially Mary Kate and Ashley. <laughs> how is it different than Mary Kate I can't, and Ashley? I mean, I'm having a hard time finding any differences. Yeah, I don't, I don't, let's be honest. I don't, I don't it's not exact that different. same. <laughs> so let, let, me, let, let me rephrase that, that then in a, in a very pointed marketing way. How is it cooler than what you've worked on before? Oh. Oh, oh I see what you've done there. Just the Olsen twins, <laughs> did you? <laughs> <laughs> They're, they're, they're a little, that was a while ago now. <laughs> the, the single biggest difference between this game and any other game I've ever worked on is that we're doing it without a publisher, without a proper publishing deal, which is completely liberating for us as a studio. It puts a lot more of the risk on us, of course, but so much more freedom. There's no one standing over our shoulder. There's no one saying, hey, this game has to come out right this second. Well, there's people saying that. That's Trevor, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, I I do say a lot of like, hey, when are we going to get that? Hey, when are we going to get that? (laughs) But we've got a a great partner in Digital Extremes, and they've been a huge help for us on that front. 
But, I mean, everything is different on this game. Literally everything because we're not working with a publisher. Yeah, and, like, we, we do work with you guys a lot. Like, I know the guy downstairs are always talking with you guys about story or assets. And like, we definitely yeah. want to make sure the game's D&D, which you guys did an amazing job of making it D&D already. So uh, you guys made that job easy. I feel like yeah. we should clarify because we do this all the time. When we say, like, the guys downstairs, like, we mean, like, <laughs> R&D sits on the third floor, yeah. and we sit on the fourth floor, and we just always refer to, like, them as the guys downstairs. What do you think, we're, like, the Satan? We're like, <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm <laughs> you know, the guys downstairs. I genuinely downstairs. did think you guys were talking about denizens of the abyss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I mean, people have, like, a, you know, no, I was a weird just, perception about what it's like to work I was talking here. about all the mind players that actually control all of us and make all this stuff happen, so. I, I just refer to them as the guy downstairs, but you guys have all ruined that. <laughs> we're all going to have our minds wiped, thanks. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, you guys have been really, really great partners as well. We've got a standing call every week, and then we communicate through email the rest of the time. And then we get to go to shows and hang out with Trevor. That's so, always no, great. That's my favorite part. There's usually some fancy dinner and then lots of hanging out, which yep, might be code for something else, but I can't talk that's about it. That's a euphemism. Oh. <laughs> no comment! <laughs> no comment! Can't wait for E3! Uh, that will be <laughs> awesome. That will be awesome. Uh, by the way, everybody, we're going to be at E3. Uh, so, Tim... Since I know we can't get too much out of you, what's the what's the your favorite thing about the game that you have to share with people while we have you on the podcast? If there's if there's one thing that we get from you about Sword Coast Legends that you, that you get to share, what would it be? Mm. Ash, just give me the look. No, I mean I have my favorites, but I don't, I don't know what yours are. No, I, so I've been a, a big multiplayer gamer ever since I've been playing games. But that being said, I think the single my single most favorite thing about this game, which is something we haven't really talked as much about, but it's the massive story campaign that's sort of flying under the radar with all the talk we have about DM and, and uh, a dungeon crawl. But we've got this huge story campaign that we're building. Uh, it's got a completely original story written by Jay. It's got an original score that just fits it perfectly. We've got tons of quest content, lots of characters, VO. It's just this really big game that's going to take people. I mean, it takes me weeks when I want to play through the entire thing to start at the beginning and, and go through it. It's a it's a huge big game. We're not announcing total numbers yet, but it's absolutely enthralling. And uh, I can't wait till we can talk a little bit more specifically about it. But that really is my favorite. Everything right now. That's cool. Yeah, we we avoid talking about the the main story campaign, and just so people know, like we don't call it the single player campaign a lot because you can actually play it multiplayer, right, Tim? Absolutely. Yep. You can play through the story by yourself if you want to, or you can play it with your best buds and Ash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we see what you did there. Um, hey guys, wait. We, we spent a lot of time just refining the different system, uh, the combat system in particular. We've done a lot of revisions of that. I think they'll be pretty impressed when they see what we have uh, at E3. Yeah, like I'm looking forward to the VO stuff when it gets into because there's a lot of stuff that goes on between the companions and, and right now the Robo voices are cool and all, but <laughs> I've I've played the game a lot, people. <laughs> oh, the Robo voices are fantastic. I never knew you could get Robo voices with accents. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. But no, I'm really looking forward to what we got at E3 and then uh, all the cool stuff we can start talking about afterwards. Um, can we hear what Ash's favorite part of the game is? Or yeah, let's do it. Oh man, uh, my favorite. I, mean, I I'm a huge fan of the characters. Uh, I've kind of fallen in love with them. So uh, getting to kind of go through their arcs and learn about them and and uh, you know kind of experience their journey as well as the player's journey is pretty awesome. But uh, also uh, one of the things that we we have kind of announced is in um, you know dungeon crawl mode. One of the things that the dungeon master can do is take control over the different monsters. And we have a lot of different monsters, you know, traditional D&D monsters. Um, they look just like they do in the monster manual, which is freaking awesome. And then you get to actually use all their ability sets, which is just amazing. So not only, you know, do you 
have like this massive robust list of skills that you can do as as your player um you can also jump into the monsters and play as them and run around the maps and wreak havoc and you know shoot stuff and it, it's just so much fun it's ridiculous so yeah those are those are my favorite things for sure well, speaking about Diamoda monsters, we've seen in the demos we've seen so far, we've seen, you know, like drow and spiders and traps. Are there any other kind of monster sets or monsters you guys can uh, can uh, share with us today? Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that you should share with us? <laughs> that we're allowed to talk about today? <laughs> there are just, there are tons of different monsters in the yeah. game. Um, I'm probably a big fan, I don't know if I had a favorite, but I, I love playing against the Durgar. Um, if you're familiar with them, you know they have a special ability whenever they enter combat that I'm not going to spoil, although your fans know exactly what I'm talking about. They, they can grow larger, and that's the first time you see that happen. It's, it's pretty impressive when you're fighting. Um, oh, our, our demon models are all going in finally, and I was fighting a Vrock this morning. Those things are, are awesome. They're amazing. Cool. Nice. Everyday giant humanoid vulture. <laughs> that's my day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fight this all day. That's just it just makes me laugh, like the things that make sense in the context of our jobs, but like just saying like that's what I did this morning. Yeah. Oh yeah, this morning I was you know, just talking about a Vrock. Fighting this demon. I'm just Vrocking out. <laughs> People wouldn't take it seriously if they knew this is the conversations we have all day. So how does selecting monsters and using them currently work in DMO? Do you like pick a set and then like there's a whole bunch of different things in that set like we're talking about with the Durger or the Drow and stuff like that? Or can you like pick them piece by piece? Uh, how's, I, it's been a while since I've done it, and when I did it, I think there were sets, but I don't remember how it is now. No, you're exactly right. You basically choose sets that you want to match to a specific area, and then uh, the set can be anything from a, a goblin set that has all different varieties of goblins, or it could be a more varied set like, say, beasts, which might have uh, bears and wolves and other unnamed beasts within it. So you have some control that way. Um, there may be additional customization you can do as a dungeon master that maybe we'll talk about at E3. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. Oh. Those, are, those are pretty strong maybes, people, just so you know. Well, I'm committal. Ash? <laughs> how, are the, how are the rest of us going to know what you guys are talking about at E3? Uh, we will probably have a recap either on, on our site or their site or both. Mm-hmm. And right. there will be a myriad of, of media people who will be disseminating that information. Mm-hmm. That's uh, looking a, at you, Tito. That's right. A.K.A. me. <laughs> oh, are you not going to? No, he is, but I'm going to be the one that's going to be doing all the tweets and social stuff while, while Greg is doing all the, all the all the other things. There's that for sure, yeah. Yeah, but you know, well, the part the point of E3 is to talk to media, and then yeah. the media will be writing their articles about. Oh, it. Oh so, yes, it's right. his job to make sure they write the articles. Yes, it's yes. my job to make sure that yes. people aren't there get tweets and cool pictures. So you guys are ramping up for 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 this big uh, electronic entertainment expo, uh, which is happening in June. Uh, so uh, what kind of preparations are you guys getting ready for that? Well, we are, yeah, you're exactly right. We are ramping up for that. We're, we're starting to push pretty hard because we've got an idea of what we want to show, and I think it's going to blow people away. So uh, we're just we're working toward that. We're polishing some stuff, adding in some new stuff, and uh, just reviewing it all the time and playing it. But uh, we're really excited because this is the first time we'll be part of the Wizards booth, of course. That's not a secret, is it? No, no, no not no. at all. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're, we're thrilled to we'll be in the booth post. with you guys. And we're just pushing really hard right now to make sure it's something that's going to impress. Nice. Yeah, I so don't think we've officially announced E3 on our end yet, but it's like widely known now. I think people have been like tweeting about it. Yeah. And there's, you know, different periodicals have us being there. So I don't think it's much of a secret. I'm certain, <laughs> by, I'm certain by the time when the podcast goes up, we'll all be fine. Yeah, you, you guys yeah. got the scoop. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, I, I think it would be crazy not to be at E3. Yes, absolutely. Especially with this. Absolutely. 
It's yeah, no, huge. it's it's. I'm, there's just going to be a lot going on there. So, can you be a little bit more specific about how you're going to blow people's <laughs> minds, though? That's what I want to. I mean, are there going to be explosions? Uh, are you thinking about you know throwing some oil flasks onto uh, unsuspecting media members? Is there going to be a guitar that shoots fire? Is there going to be a guitar that shoots fire? T-shirt cannon. No, a t-shirt cannon. <laughs> point blank. <laughs> how big is that booth anyway? Okay, so wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's huge. I think we're gonna, people are going to be disappointed because we don't have any of those things. So. <laughs> Let's be careful here. We're just spitballing. <laughs> We're not bringing the pyrotechnics. Perhaps you guys can supply that. Yeah, we'll I, oh, I, yeah, I, totally. I will confirm, though, that we will finally actually be talking about and showing off DM campaign creation. That will be our focus. That's huge. Ooh. Nice. That's the thing I wanted to talk about since we announced the game. So I'm like, oh, my God, can we talk about this, please? It's going to be cool. <laughs> Yeah. As far as pyrotechnics goes, it's just going to be me in the corner with a lighter, just yeah. so we're clear. <laughs> but the lighter app on your phone. The lighter app on my phone, right? Because that would be dangerous. Yeah, we're Otherwise, not really going to have fire. We're not up to code. Yeah. <laughs> and when we talk about campaign mode, I mean, this has been said by Dan and other stuff in the, in the past, and it's out there already. But if you want to have it all in one podcast, we're talking about your ability to to build encounters that build out, you know, a, a campaign that's not just I go fight some monsters, right? There's all sorts of other options in there that go along to uh, making an adventure. And the guys over on Sword Coast are, are making that happen. So, details, details, details. I can't say too much, but I can say we were reviewing it yesterday, and I was actually the guy on the computer, you know, going through everything while we were talking about it. And at one point, I sort of lost track of the meeting because I got lost in the, the tools I was playing with. Ah, wish I could be more specific. You did oh. mention on, on our Twitch stream that you did create a magical polar bear once, so you can repeat that story because it's pretty good. I did. Did I, did I did say that? Yeah, didn't you I? did. You're good. I mean, you can't get in trouble twice for the same thing. It's like, <laughs> it's like double jeopardy. Once it's been said, yeah, double jeopardy. Perfect. Now you can. You might have some influence over specific creatures as well. <laughs> wow, like what a, a great like story. Like a polar bear. <laughs> like a polar bear. That's magic. No, oh, that's all awesome. polar bears are magic, aren't they? Yeah, the if they're on an island. <laughs> Ross. And we'll make sure everybody gets all all the hotness when yes. we're at E3. We'll we'll make sure that we share. What are the share. dates for E3 again? July, June sixteenth, seventeenth, and eighteenth. Okay, so yeah. just a reminder: you're gonna really want to pay attention to D and D, Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, and, and so Sword Coast is, is at Sword Coast on on Twitter. You definitely want to pay attention to them as well. And then of course you should know ours by now, but it's Wizards underscore D and D. So we will be we will be posting stuff up. For that's sure. A, that's Ash's job. He'll be. Posting all of our pictures. There. Yeah. Post. You're going to sit there and hit retweet, retweet, retweet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to walk around and check out cool stuff and like hit Social media secrets here on the podcast. <laughs> Trevor, Trevor, wake me up when you tweet something, okay? Yeah. <laughs> you we'll guys do. can just we'll nudge each other. Wake me your up turn. before you go go. It's your turn to tweet something. Well, guys, I could keep you on here all day and talk, but we should probably wrap this up. Aww. Is there anything else you guys want to point people at or, or mention before we uh, say goodbye? Or any other animal noise? Ash. <laughs> he was doing good animal noises before. He really was. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Was that a goat or a, a sheep? <laughs> we, we have a very rural uh, studio here, so that was just uh, an animal outside the window. Everyone comes to Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> we do our own foley for the game, by the way. <laughs> Ash and I. <laughs> the best foley artist ever. No, just uh, we appreciate all the support people are giving us. Uh, we love we love the fans on Twitter, on the forums. Um, no matter what your feedback, keep keep bringing it to us. We're we're super excited about the game, and we're extremely passionate about it, as we know you guys are. 
And you guys uh, at Watsi, we sure appreciate all the support you guys are giving us too. No, no, so you, guys, you guys are part of the family. It's, it's pretty pretty easy and awesome hanging out with you. And we're I, super excited about what you guys are, are, are bringing to the D&D. You know, just being able to do DM mode and things like that. It's something that I think a lot of uh, gamers have always wanted to see, which is that transition from uh, the fun of a tabletop game to a digital space. I'm really excited about that. Cool. So thank you guys for, for, for all the work you're doing there. I do actually want to take advantage of Ash while he's here. So if you guys pre-order the game out there in, in podcast land, if you pre-order the game, uh, you get access to a certain certain uh, thing in the forums, right, Ash? Yeah, so uh, if you pre-order the game and you get one of the collector's editions, you get access to the Design Council, which is a, a pretty cool initiative. What we're doing is uh, giving people the chance to kind of have a, a more intimate relationship with a development team. So right now they're actually uh, constructing a weapon from scratch. So they actually selected if they wanted to build a sword or a hammer. Um, they decided the properties and they decided to build a psychic weapon. And now they're actually in the naming process and creating the actual lore for the weapon, which is actually all going through you guys as well to make sure that it's, you know, that it's acceptable. And then once it's all, uh, once it's all said and done, we're actually going to have our guys uh, implement into the game. We're doing that with several different items, and uh, they actually voted on the Belafoss statue, which statue was going to go into production, and they have access to like developer chats and a lot of really neat stuff. And it, you know, it may just seem like a footnote in the things that you get for one of the collector's editions, but it actually is something that is uh, really valuable. And as a, a fan of RPGs in general, uh, I, you know, I would pay a ton of money <laughs> to participate in something like this. So it is, it is actually really cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's why I wanted to bring it up. So if you're, if you're a fan, you're thinking about getting the game, and you haven't yet, you want a chance to influence the game or talk with the developers. This is, this is the way to go. It's, it's really been pretty cool, cool being able to stick my head in there and be like, this is some cool stuff they're doing. So yeah. I did want to get that in. Sorry, sorry, I plugged no your worries, game, guys. Yeah. No, no worries. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> but all right. Belafoss is angry. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. It's been awesome. We'll, the have, guy downstairs. we'll have to do this again soon. We'll probably uh, actually try to do one of these after E3 too, so we can yeah. see, see how many of you guys we can get all in one podcast or during and yeah. spoil everything. We, we won't be busy. Yeah, we won't be doing anything yet. <laughs> but no, thanks again, guys. It's been awesome. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate yeah. the time. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. We'll talk to you guys. As always, thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons podcast. You can find out more about Gary Asselford on his website, DungeonsScouts.com. And look for Sword Coast Legends later this year, available for pre-order now on Steam. Of course, you can download the Dungeons & Dragons podcast from the D&D website under the media section, or subscribe directly from iTunes. 